It was midnight on January 1st, 2018. Everyone around was cheering and celebrating in their own way. The clock had struck and a new year had signaled. I had just accomplished a goal that I had set out for myself. I looked around full of excitement, full of hope, and full of the feeling that the year ahead was going to be glorious. My faith had never been stronger, my friends and family had never felt closer, and my life had never felt more in control than on that eve of a new and exciting year. Yet, what I didn't see was that over the next 12 months, I would be met with the most grueling, testing, and difficult year of my 30 years of life. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the warm weather, and we thank you for um, the ability that we can have to come together and um, listen to you today and what words you have prepared. God, I pray that you would use me and calm my nerves and help me to um, be able to let all these students and members in the audience be able to hear what you want for them today. I thank you so much, and I praise your name. Amen. So good morning, everyone. My name is Lauren, and I, too, have been sitting in those exact same seats, although for me, it was not until my senior year, because that was the first year the chapel had ever opened. Um, I'm a proud graduate of the class of 2010, and while I was here, I spent ample amount of times in the Maxwell Building studying political science, pre-law, and business. Any Maxwell folks out here in the, in the crowd? All right, good, good. And I also spent a lot of time in the student center serving on student government. Any of my fellow student government loves here? Yeah, all right, perfect. All right, so after graduating from Indiana Wesleyan University, I went on to law school at the IU McKinney School of Law down in Indianapolis. I took the bar exam, became a licensed attorney, and five years ago, I returned to the law school that I attended to work in the recruitment department. So if any of you in the audience wanna pursue a law degree, please give me a call. I'm here, I'm happy to help. <laughs> but really, I have not been asked here today to talk to you about law school, but rather to talk to you about the power of God in the midst of struggle. So let's dive in together and talk about how this struggle is real. In John 13, 7, Jesus replied, you don't understand what I am doing now, but someday you will. In Hebrews 6, 15, we learn that, and so it was, having waited long and enduring patiently, Abraham realized and obtained what God had promised. Finally, in Job's epilogue, in Job 42, 10 through 16, we listen to Job's rewards for being obedient in Christ in the midst of all that was stripped from him. When Job prayed for his friends and restored his fortunes, in fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all his brothers, sisters, and former friends came and feasted with him in his home. And they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him. And each of them brought a gift of money and a gold ring. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Jacob... Job, seven more sons and three more daughters. He named his first daughter Jemiah, the second daughter Keziah, and the third Karen Hapuch. And the, in all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job, and their father put them into his will along with their brothers. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. As we see in these above passages, we are being led to discover that even in turmoil, even when everything is taken away, we are being brought into a space of understanding that God plus trial equals a promise, a blessing, or some sort of positive result. This has led us to a place where we are taught and often hold true that God is bringing us through a trial, a struggle, so that we, like Job, 
can receive wonderful and abundant blessings. We are often told that if we await and weather the storm, we will be rewarded. So when you're sitting there facing that trial, facing that struggle, you you are met with so many pleasantries and so many cliches that take us from the recognition of our struggle to the anticipation of the promise. We've heard it so many times and seen it in so many different passages where God has shown up, given abundance of blessings to those who endure. But what happens when the trial is not on our timetable? What happens when we feel like God has stopped listening and we are expected to just keep enduring until the proposed promise comes? Some Christians would tell you to just stay positive and joyful because the Lord has promised to be good. Or you hear people saying, if he brings you to it, he will bring you through it. And yes, while those things are true, that doesn't give us a lot of space to actually experience the struggle, experience the pain, and experience what it is like to sit in uncomfortable, heavy spaces with our Savior. A year ago, like many of you, I would have said, but Lauren, what do you mean? Of course God is going to fulfill the promise. I just need to hunker down, not question God, and just believe that he will provide for me in the end. I can handle this. I mean, up to this point, God had brought, to a, a, brought me to a feeling that my disability was manageable and controlled. I could have argued that historically, God has brought me to a situation. I prayed about it. I would talk with my friends and family about it, come up with some possible solutions, and voila, it was all fixed. I, my life would be back on track. However, let's go back to what happened after New Year's Day 2018. In January, I found myself sitting in my doctor's office. I discovered I was having an extremely high heart rate. I was put on a heart monitor that I would wear for the next month. In February, on February 9th, excuse me, a day which will ever be scarred on my heart, it was the day my hero, my inspiration, and my beloved grandfather died. I have never experienced death in such a personal and profound way before. As I struggled to learn about my grief, March was met with my first emergency room trip of the year. They discovered I had a 10-centimeter cyst that needed to be surgically removed. April, I met the doctors, scheduled surgery, and left my 20s behind to enter my 30s. Years off for many of you here. (laughs) In May, I found myself in the ER for the second time, this time with a brand new diagnosis, diverticulitis. I was in great pain and started my first time with a round of antibiotics and completely altered my diet and way of living. June came around and the infection that began in May continued on causing me to miss much of my work and cancel my surgery. In July, I found myself on my third round of antibiotics, starting my journey with anxiety. August came and went, and the beginning of September, I found myself having a small procedure to do more testing. I suffered with badly developed inflammation, and in October, developed problems with my lungs. Throughout much of November and December, I continued to fill my time with doctor's visits, scans, and labs, allowing my anxiety and minimal depression to grow deeper. And now we find ourselves sitting here in January, already seeing two new specialists, and still searching for answers. In the midst of all this, I found myself desperately clinging to the control I once had, and found myself crying out to God, what had I done wrong? I felt lonely, I felt like I wasn't being heard. Most of all, I felt like I had let my family, friends, and job down. I tried with each passing month to put the pieces back together and proclaim, God will bring me through it. I would wear a smile on my face and tell all those around me, I will be okay, I can handle this. But each time, with each passing month, as another thing piled on and on and on, I broke. 
For the first time in my life, I found myself not having control, not understanding where God was, and not seeing what his plan for my life was anymore. I had grown up breaking bone after bone and always pushing through the six weeks to being restored back to how I was before. But this time, there was no one in sight. My faith started to waver, and I started to question everything I knew. And you know what I found there? Sitting in the darkest, bleakest, heaviest time of my life, I found the most profound truth. God wanted me to lament. He wanted me to relinquish control. And he wanted me to see the truth in his promise. After my grandfather's death, I saw a complete outpouring of love and hope from so many friends. Yet internally, I felt a great pain and a sadness like I had never experienced. I hurt so deeply, and with each passing moment in the months that followed, I hid my pain more and more. <clears throat> I remember one night in June, I was feeling particularly broken. I had just missed two weeks of work. My mom had just left. She's here today, everyone in the front. <laughs> as she had come to stay and take care of me. I questioned whether or not I would make it through the end of summer. I felt so much despair at that time, I started clinging to books, podcasts, whatever I could around me. As I was journaling that evening, I noticed I mentioned all these books, podcasts, etc. But then I started to question, I realized I had never mentioned God. What was he telling me in my prayers? And that's when it hit me. Where had God been in all this pain? Why did he keep allowing all these things to happen to me? I decided to dig out my Bible and use an old trick that we learned in youth group. If you believe you want to hear from God, just open your Bible, flip through the pages, and God will give you the words that you need to hear. And I did. And there I found Psalm 22, 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from my words of groaning? I had never read a passage that so clearly spoke to me. I felt like this was my moment. That's when I started journaling and realizing that God was going to reveal his great purpose in this. As I was continuing to flip through the Bible, I landed on the book of Lamentations, a book that I had also recently discussed with a friend on a ski trip we went on. The entirety of that book deals with a particular set of circumstances that raise questions regarding where God's presence is and the mystery behind all and why this is happening. When I continued to journal and dig in, I realized I wanted to know more about what this little word lament means. In my journey, I learned that lament is a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. I laughed when I first found that out because if you know me, you know I do not like expressing my emotions. I usually like to internalize my struggle, deal with it, cry in private, never in public. Why would I want to passionately express my sorrow? As a follower of God, I felt that it would be wrong of me to be sad and upset because that would mean I was betraying that God had everything in control. Upon my discovery, I found a book called A Sacred Sorrow, Reaching Out to God in the Lost Language of Lament by Michael Card. In that book, Card writes, one reason why people are so uncomfortable with tears in the sight of suffering is that it is a blasphemous assault of their precariously maintained American spirituality of the pursuit of happiness. It is a lot easier to keep the American faith if they do not have to look in the face of suffering. I don't know about you, but when I first heard that, I realized I had been a guilty party in this. I just wanted to pursue happiness. God was showing me that in crying out to him and just sitting in my struggle, I was really allowing my confused, hurt, pain-filled heart to continue demonstrating my belief in him. It was my path to wrestle with the brokenness in me and really be exposed to what God was asking me through the difficult prayers and questions. By questioning and sitting in my pain, I learned that my struggle, I was actually acting out in faith because I didn't want to stop talking to God. I wanted him to know I was hurt. I wanted him to know I was angry with him. I wanted to hear from him. I wanted answers. After learning that, it was the first time I truly felt that I was allowed to be in pain to express my emotion 
and allow that hurt feeling that I had been letting in. I knew God wanted me to wrestle with the brokenness because that was going to be my path to freedom and mercy. And as all my friends on these first couple rows will tell you, I haven't stopped talking about it since. <laughs> While just sitting in the pain, I, knowing that I was talking to God was the initial step I took. I wanted to know why this was all happening. As you can imagine, as a lawyer, I like to know a lot of information. I like to have all the answers, be right all the time. So some of you would even say that I could be classified as a type A personality. When I was going through my journey, my frustration, and my, my main frustration was not understanding the why. Why do bad things keep happening to me? Why do I feel such loss, such anguish, such hurt? Many questions rose up from within, and there were moments I just wanted to cry out. As I previously mentioned during this season, I read a lot of books to help me find my answers. And one book in particular led me to an amazing eye-opening experience. In the book, Call My Anxious Heart by Linda Dillow, she explores the meaning of finding contentment in God while you're in the midst of your struggle. In the last chapter, she explores the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, who has ever read Habakkuk? In the three short chapters in Habakkuk, he explores the, it explores the conversation between the prophet and of God. During this time, the last godly king, Josiah, had just died, and the people worshiped the false gods. Moral corruption was seen throughout, and yet God seemed silent, unconcerned, and like he was not at all at work. Habakkuk found himself crying out to God and asking God to provide solutions. God responded by providing solutions that Habakkuk wasn't expecting. In fact, Habakkuk felt that God's plan would bring more pain and be worse for the corruption of the people of Judah. Habakkuk responded to the pleas and asked him for another time why he wasn't going to allow his way to happen. He wanted to take control of the situation and know why God was doing what he was doing. God encouraged Habakkuk to remain faithful and wait and walk in the dark with God, trusting that he would have the answers to the plan. I was as I was reading this, I found this extremely frustrating. Why would God not explain himself to Habakkuk? Why was he allowing something to happen to Habakkuk that he knew would be much worse for the people of Judah? I was proud of Habakkuk, though, for responding to God multiple times with doubt and questions. But I realized the more that Habakkuk prayed, his prayers of doubt turned into prayers of trust. This book encouraged me to really see that Habakkuk had a choice in this situation. He could choose to continue to doubt God, question God, provide control, or he can make his doubts known, but choose to relinquish control of the plan to allow, to allow God to use it. In this, I began to look deeper into my own situation. Maybe God couldn't reveal his plan to me in June. Maybe he couldn't tell me what was going on in October. And even today, he still hasn't told me what his plan is in all this. But I do have a choice in the situation. I can keep questioning God, trying to control the situation, or I can choose to sit in the darkness, in the pain, expressing my doubts to God, all while allowing for him to take control of the plan. Once I decided I wanted to relinquish control and lament in the pain with God, I started preparing my heart to learn the hope that maybe after all I would see his promise. When I started to dig in, I found myself clinging to the familiar verses that mentioned promise. I reread the book of Job again and again, and I found myself remaining hopeful that I too would see God's promise. After all, I had stayed faithful to God. I had been acknowledging him even when there seemed no hope. And I had anticipated so many times waking up finding heaps of money to help pay off those medical bills that piled up over the summer, or miraculously I would feel healed overnight. That's what I was owed, right? That's what the truth behind God's promises was. He will give me abundant blessings. Well, when that didn't happen, I knew I needed to dig in a little deeper. 
If the promise wasn't of tangible value, what then was the promise that God had for me? What was the truth? What I kept hearing resonate within me was that famous Psalm in 4610, be still and know that I am God. The famous Psalm kept playing over and over in my head. I kept asking God to reveal to me its meaning and to understand. And that's when it all clicked. The truth in God's promise to me wasn't going to be to give me tangible blessings like we saw in Job, but it was going to be with me through this journey with him. In the moments of lamenting and the moments of losing control, I was being drawn closer to him. All along, I was looking for the present when all God was asking me to do was to sit in his presence. He had been desiring for me to sit and wrestle with what was going on in my life, to take a look and know that he was in the process of mending my brokenness back together. His intent was not to give me a life that was purposeless, hopeless, or full of suffering. He was drawing me into a heavier space so that whatever blessing would come next, I would know it was from him. He had to break me and keep breaking me because he knew that if he gave me that promise too soon, I would take it, say thanks God for your help, but I've got this now. In all this, it was a continuation of the reminder that the promises of God aren't always going to be met while I'm here on earth because the ultimate biblical promise is about leading us to salvation where we can go closer to him and one day receive receive freedom through our eternal life with him. Once I realized I needed to sit with God more and trust him, I clung to the verse I found in Isaiah chapter 30, 19 through 21. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the, turn to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Well, God hasn't provided me complete physical healing and I still don't have answers yet as to why I'm on this journey. I have chosen to stay founded in his promise. He has been doing things and weaving things in together in my life that I, even I have not seen coming. After Thanksgiving, I had received an email from Dr. Bray asking me to come speak to you all in chapel and not just on any topic, but on the power of God to help us weather the storms in life. At first I was shocked, me? I'm the least vulnerable person you will ever meet. As I mentioned earlier, I don't like to express my truth in pain publicly. Why would I want to speak on it in front of a bunch of people? How would I know what to say? As I prayed and debated on it, I heard God whisper, trust me. So I agreed. No more than two weeks later, I reconnected with an old friend who invited me to his church. During that service, the pastor spoke on how we don't always see God's promise when it is happening to us. It was starting to God, see, I was starting to see God pushing me further. No more than one week after that service, that same friend's mom called me and asked me to come speak at a women's conference, the topic of God showing up in our lives. As I share this story with you, I don't want you to think the struggle is over. In fact, many days I feel that I am far from it. I often find myself in that same raw, painful place. But what I have come to realize is that I am still waiting. I can relinquish control, experience the struggle, and trust that God's promise that he has a plan for me will come true. So today I would like to leave you with two challenges. If you are someone who is experiencing struggle, experiencing pain, please do not allow yourself to skip the beautiful moments of sitting in your pain, talking about your pain, and feeling that hurt. In that, you will learn more lessons and grow in ways that you will never think is possible. Or, if you know someone who is struggling with pain, sit with them in their pain. Do not be quick to dismiss it. Do not force them to feel happy or even question their faith. 
let them feel that, th that in his presence, there can be hope and restoration. But right now, they are on a journey and that that is okay. My prayer for you all is that as you leave this place today, that you will learn how to acknowledge, understand, and appreciate the consistency of God's love as we struggle throughout our lives. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for these moments of struggle. We thank you for these moments where we are being brought to the place that we have to release control and rely on you. God, we thank you that you love us through the beautiful, dark, and messy times. And we pray that as you continue on this journey with us, that we will learn how to just sit and rest in you and be faithful in your presence. God, we are not comfortable with silence. We are not comfortable with pain. We want to be happy and we want to fix, but God, you want to use those moments in us. And we pray today that you will allow those moments to be used. God, I thank you for all of those who came to support me today. I pray that you will put safe travels on all of them as they head back home. And for those students who are here today, God, that you will just continue to walk with them and be with them as they're making their decisions in life. In your precious name, amen. Thank you.